You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're going to answer the question, what does the gospel say about mental health? So there's been increased conversation in society about mental health, and there's a lot that the gospel has to say about it. That's the question we will look at today. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, uh, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and Zach Wyrock, the director of Orchard NEO, our church planning initiative. Our question today is how should Christians think about mental illness? So mental illness, you see it pop up both inside and outside of the church. Uh, it's something that has become a more prevalent conversation of late. So how should we as followers of Jesus process through and think about it? Uh, let me go ahead and start. I, I think uh, it's a great question. I think it's one that we have to deal with. Uh, but I think we have to be careful uh, to not uh, simplify it, um, because I think it might be a pretty complex question. And what I mean by that is I, I was thinking uh, just on the way over to do this podcast that um, there are different uh, parts of every human being. There's a physical part uh, there's an emotional part or a mental part, and then there's a spiritual part. And those things are not in completely separate silos. There's like a semi-permeable membrane between those three. So if if you are sick physically, it can impact you emotionally and mentally. If you are uh, unhealthy spiritually, it can impact you emotionally and even physically. All those things kind of connect to each other. So I want to make sure that we don't just silo mental illness and talk about that. I think we have to talk about a human being as a holistic being. Yeah, and from a theological perspective, you know, the Bible is clear that uh, when God made the world, it was good. It was the way it was supposed to be. Things like physical illness or mental illness were non-existent. But when Adam and Eve kind of led the world into sin, uh, the world became broken. And that brokenness manifests in everything, in every kind of way, which means there is spiritual brokenness. Joe, to use your breakdown, there's physical brokenness, and there is mental brokenness. So the first kind of theological starting point might be just to say it shouldn't surprise us that people uh, experience brokenness mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, uh, in every way. That's what the Bible says has happened as a result of sin. Now, here's a question that, that, that made me think of. Can somebody be uh, spiritually healthy and be mentally ill? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question because if we flipped it, if we said, could someone be spiritually healthy and physically ill, right. we would absolutely. say, absolutely. Right. Uh, and so using, again, your threefold breakdown, Joe, I would say, absolutely, absolutely you could be. Uh, certainly these areas relate to each other, but I think if I have a category for someone who is loving the Lord and seeking the Lord and has the flu, then I should probably have a category for someone who is loving the Lord, seeking the Lord, and struggling with depression. Because what we're saying is there are some physiological, anatomical things happening there on, on both ways. That there is a way of loving Jesus with my heart, but my brain chemistry being off. And that that, that is a realistic uh, thing that would exist for people in the same way physical uh, sickness might accompany spiritual health. Yeah, and I would say that uh, mental illness for a long time just has, I feel, not been talked about very much. I think, and maybe some of that can be traced back to it is a lot easier to see if somebody's physically ill and the solutions are more readily apparent 
most of the time. When it comes to spiritual illness, it's a lot. I think it's easier even to talk about that in Christian circles, just because it's easy to, you know, when you understand the gospel, we talk about sin and, and all of those things are somewhat easy for us to talk about. I think mental illness is very difficult to understand. Sometimes it's hard to uh, see the solution and the way out of it. And so I think that has contributed to an overall lack of conversation. But even more than that, I think at times there's been a stigma attached to it. So I recently heard a story of a pastor who struggled with depression and committed suicide. Um, And I saw something on social media a few days later where there was another pastor from a completely different area who was wrongly suggesting that you know, by struggling in that way and ending his life like that, that person may have been disqualified from ministry or was somehow sinning, which I think, so, and I think that kind of has been at times suggested when it comes to the realm of, of mental illness too, but I think there's just a lack of understanding that may have contributed to that type of conversation. Yeah, what happens is just a, a kind of awful proof texting where I think the scriptures are wrongly used in some of these situations. Like, for example, when Paul will say, uh, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So that's true. That is always true for all people. But if you're in the throes of having um, you know, the flu or uh, some kind of food sickness or you know, your rejoicing is going to look differently. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're feeling really sick, you may be saying, uh, I don't feel much like rejoicing. I, I think there what keeping that verse looks like is saying there are reasons to be happy. I know that. I know that in my head. I know that in my heart. God has done great things for me. Those things are not, they have not changed because I have the flu. But right now, life is pretty miserable because I have the flu. In the same way that we would not look at that person and say, why aren't you smiling? Why aren't you happy? God has done so many things for you. I think conversely, someone who is struggling with depression, anxiety, those kinds of things, who would say, I intellectually know that God has done good things for me and I know he loves me, but I am finding it very hard to lean into that because of how I feel. I'm wondering why we struggle to extend the same courtesy to them that we would someone who's in the throes of you know, treating cancer and would say, boy, I don't feel like smiling right now. It's a very similar thing, and yet we tend to interact with it very differently. Well, to be fair, I think I, I think there might be um, a nuance here that um, there are certain things, uh, let's say anxiety, and I'll preach a sermon where uh, I will encourage people to not be anxious. And if you are being anxious, it is because you are uh, you you are indulging in a sinful behavior. That's true at times. So, uh, but there's also anxiety that comes from another place that's not a spiritual place, mm-hmm. right? So, that's the the issue is that you can. I mean, I, I remember uh, I've dealt with people that um, were dealing with depression, and uh, it was because they were living in disobedience, and there was this and. Uh, boy, that that was rough for them. They go and they get a uh, an anti-depression medication uh, that works okay, but then when they come back to the Lord fully, mm-hmm. they don't need any depression medication. They they are healthy. The danger is to do either one That's to right. say That's it right. is always That's spiritual. Right. Or it is never spiritual. And I think right? in that way, the biggest danger in the church can be pastors and leaders who wrongly diagnose people. Absolutely. You know, I, right. I think I had lunch with a guy a couple weeks ago who was struggling with depression and I asked him, 
can you locate a source for this? You know, how is your relationship right, right. with the Lord? And he said, I think it's good. I said, what about your marriage? What about your parenting? What about what's going on? No, it's all good. And I said, you know, if you can't find a reason why you feel anxious, you feel depressed, you should see a doctor. That it'd be different if you were telling me as a pastor, yeah, I'm cheating on my wife. And I would say, well, no wonder you're depressed. Right. Like, we need to pursue repentance. We need to pursue reconciliation. I can help you with that. But if you're telling me everything is good and you just feel down and you don't know why, you need to seek the help of someone who is a medical professional who can maybe explain to you that your brain chemistry has been adversely affected and therefore you're off kilter and you may need medication. And it really does take pastors, leaders, disciples to understand what they can speak into and what they can't speak into. Right. In the same way that I wouldn't say to someone who has the flu, I'll pray for you and don't go to the doctor. I wouldn't say to someone who's struggling with crippling depression, I'll pray for you and don't go see a mental health professional. I would say, no, it's both and. It's not either or. And maybe that's the starting point of the problem is that people say it's either spiritual or it's physical. And why? Why, why can't it be both? And why can't I say as a pastor, I'm equipped to aim at one, but I'm absolutely unequivocally not equipped to aim at the other? So if if you are you know listening to this podcast and kind of saying uh, you are experiencing some of these things we're talking about, whether it's depression, anxiety, uh, one thing that it's important to hear is is that is okay. It's not necessarily something that is wrong that you've done wrong. There's brokenness that has come into the world due to the, due to the fall. And so w- what we would want you to hear as pastors at this church would be that you should seek the help that you need, that you should find a mental health professional who can help you, that uh, there are people who are equipped to do that. Um, it's also important to search, and as Zach spoke about earlier, to is there anything within my spiritual walk that could be contributing to it. So that doesn't mean that everything you're experiencing is spiritual, but it also doesn't mean that nothing you're experiencing is spiritual. Uh, One area that I think we should talk about a little bit is uh, some of the other categories of mental illness, so anxiety and depression, but then there are uh, things like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and some of these things. And I think these fall into almost another category when it comes to mental illness. And then there's another interesting discussion I think to be had on uh, what if somebody were to be possessed by a demon, which is something we see in scripture and it's something that is still happening today, I think. It's, it's, there's a spiritual world that exists. What would that look like? And could that be construed as mental, mental illness? Is there a barrier between the two? How do all those things fit together? Yeah, I remember talking to a person who uh, was pursuing her uh, advanced degree for to be a mental health professional. And she said that the, one of the things that was disturbing to her is when she was doing her internship and she was in a, uh, like the sixth floor of a hospital and dealing with people who had been uh, put there uh, because of the severity of uh, their mental illness. Uh, how many times she heard them talking about Jesus, how many times they thought they were Jesus, how religious, uh, how many of them were praying or uh, were singing. And, and she said that, that just struck her as uh, um, she was trying to, uh, to figure out what that meant uh, as a Christian. And one of the things that I, f- I felt like is true is that there is the membrane between uh, my mental state, my spiritual state, is a very thin membrane, and uh, we go back and forth. Uh, M. Scott Peck wrote a book called People the Lie. He's a psychiatrist. He also wrote a book called The Road Less Traveled. 
And he was a psychiatrist that decided to try to find out about demon possession. And so he started interviewing and he said the first like 10, 20 different uh, people that he interviewed about was was what he expected was just that they were classic schizophrenia kind of examples. And then he hit somebody that he said uh, just jarred his whole paradigm. And that was a person that he feels was uh, demon-possessed. So he went from being a uh, an agnostic uh, with spiritual things to being a, a real believer that there is a spiritual world out there and it can be connected and can be mistaken for uh, a mental illness. Yeah, I think I, I think of a couple of things here that are relevant to this conversation. I mean, the first is that I think scripture would affirm both things. That, that again, that brokenness exists on all levels, that Christians have a category for a person's mental health, their their brain being affected by sin, not, not necessarily their sin, but sin, capital S, uh, sin and the fall. And so as a result, having a schizophrenia, having bipolar disorder, having other uh, disorders. And so Christians should have a category for medical conditions involving the brain. Uh, and also scripture has a category for a spiritual world. So the Christian starting point is, uh, well, it could be one or the other. It could be both. It could be, you know, both are possible. I think the second one though, is that in the scriptures, when a person is dealing with demon possession, you always know I mean, there is a, a clearly, it's clearly articulated. You know, Jesus encounters the demon-possessed man living in the graveyard. Jesus knows it's a demon. There's no guesswork. Yeah, and, it doesn't say like Jesus came across a man and didn't yeah, know. Who possibly was hearing voices or possibly was possessed by a demon or... And so I think that I would say that scripture probably has a category for when it is a spiritual, wholly, only a spiritual thing, you, you know... It, it's it's evident. It's it's obvious. So I want to be careful that you know just we're not creating a subcategory of New Testament kind of thinking where you know it, it this is a half and half. <laughs> you know usually in the Bible you know if it's a if it's a demon. But I think the third thing, and this is very important, I think that the starting point would be I think to seek a mental health professional. That because we know there is that brokenness and they are able to diagnose, if you bring a person to me as a pastor and say, are they demon possessed? I don't have formal processes where I would determine that, right? I would talk to them. I would read passages, uh, influenced by, I would pray for them. I would probably be looking for some kind of visceral response to the name of Jesus, to the to the gospel, because that's what I see in the New Testament when a demon shows up. Uh, but it would take me a while to even give you an intelligent answer, to be able to triage in that way. Mental health professionals, however, are trained in categorizing these things. So they're able to sit down with someone and say, I don't have a category for that. And then that would be super meaningful. Or to say, actually, this is classic schizophrenia. This is classic bipolar disorder. And again, that's where mental health or physical health professionals help us. They are able to make sense of and to triage the chaos of the world. And and again, I, I just want to be, I don't want spiritual people, Christians, to form a wedge between us and professionals who work in this field. They are a resource for us, and we should lean into them. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I want you to hear if you're listening to this is to be really, um, really careful seeing through a single lens. And I, that's what, uh, to me, the danger that I've seen with Christians and with clergy 
is to look at everybody and just say, your problem is a spiritual problem and it is manifesting itself like this. So you need to confess and then you get right spiritually, then everything else is going to clear up in your life. Uh, that's not even what I read in Scripture. What I read in Scripture is what, what Zach began with, is that there's a brokenness in all of us. Uh, in uh, There's a brokenness that's physical. There's a brokenness that's emotional. There's a brokenness that's spiritual. And spiritually, we want to be healed, and we can be healed through Jesus. The ultimate healing, though, for the whole human being holistically uh, is not to happen in this world. It happens in the next so uh, we have different people. God has allowed us to have different people who can uh, minister to us and help us in, the, in every area of brokenness that we have. And we're saying to you, take advantage of those uh, in, in a particular area and don't neglect those. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, just in the New Testament, Jesus has an encounter with a group of men who are lepers, and uh, he brings healing, as he so often does. And only one of the guys <laughs> comes back and has any interest in actually engaging Jesus. Only one guy comes back and says, hey, thank you for doing that. Who are you? How, how does it mean to follow you? The other guys never come back. They are spiritually unhealthy, but they are physically healthy. There is a division, even though, as you said, Joe, the lines can get blurry, they right. intersect. There is a division in which Jesus brought physical healing, but not spiritual healing. Yeah, last question that I would throw out there is, uh, as the church, what is the best way that we can help people relate with people who may be struggling, whether it's with depression or even something like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder? How can we, we as the church help them? Yeah, I think I think of a, a few things right off the bat. The first thing is if you're struggling, seek help. Seek help. You know, you can seek help on all three ways. Become more physically health, healthy. Seek spiritual counsel from a pastor or a counselor we have here at the church or someone in your community group, someone you can trust and respect. And when applicable, seek counsel from a mental health professional. It is okay to do that. There, and, and second, I would say for the person who's listening to this and doesn't have at present mental health issues, we participate by removing the stigma by encouraging those around us to seek help, by validating them when they do seek help, by telling them, I'm so glad you're taking that step and that that in no way mitigates against your faith. And then third, boy, if you're listening to this and you're a young person and you're a Christian, I wanna encourage you to consider pursuing work in the mental health field. Go get a couple of degrees. Be able to speak into the brokenness mentally and then help us as a church to think about these things with your expertise. What a tremendous blessing. Uh, that would be. But removing the stigma around mental health is a group effort in the church. It's incumbent upon all of us to play a role in that. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged.com at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.